Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 43 of the False Prophets Podcast. I am your host, Phil Risden. Oh, boy, I know it's been, uh, it's it's a little late. Sorry about my uh, my tardiness and all that stuff, my lateness. Can you say tardy anymore? Or is that also a canceled word? Who knows? Uh, my, you know, my wisdom teeth started coming in. That's right. I'm getting, I'm getting to be a big boy now. Who knew? I'm getting older now. My wisdom teeth are coming in. I feel like it's, and they've been killing me. They've been killing me. I've been doing nothing but just taking ibuprofen on a constant basis. And uh, I feel like if, if if it's not one thing, it's something else. You know what I mean? I'm just getting attacked. Like if it's not my allergies, then it's wisdom teeth coming in or something. You know, if it's not wisdom teeth, then, you know, I, I'm working all the time or something. Does anybody else feel like, like COVID made them weaker? Like I feel like since COVID, my immune system is just garbage. Like I had my allergies, but like I've never had allergies be that bad before in my life. I had to literally spend days in like bed. Enough, enough of me uh, bitching. Let's get back to it. Welcome to episode 43 of the False Prophets podcast, Eyes on the Pros. And this episode has been inspired by the recent espionage trial that Pros Michelle is uh, is on. You know, I don't know if he, I guess he's French, right? He's French Haitian, so you call him. Pras Michelle instead of Pras Michael. I mean, Jesus Christ, I feel like if you wrote a bunch of random topics on pieces of paper and put them in a fishbowl and got someone to mix <laughs> mix up and pull anything out to make a headline, Pras and espionage trial would not be the three words that you would have picked. He's been doing a lot of stuff outside of music, as you can guess. Oh, this boy's been busy. <laughs> oh, my man has been busy. Uh, yeah, ever since he got out of music, he you know he transferred into documentaries, and now he got into political espionage, apparently. Uh, yeah, apparently um, a few years ago, Proz wanted to get into politics, and he met up with this guy, Joe Lowe, apparently. Joe is spelled with, it's J-H-O, and Lowe is spelled L-O-W, so I'm, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that entirely right, but when you read it on paper, it seems like it's Joe Lowe. I mean, talk about a fake name if you ever heard one. Dude was supposedly some sort of Malaysian business prodigy, and him and Proz meet at a nightclub in like 2006. They kind of link up. And he first met uh, Praz trying to link up with Obama pretty much and being like, hey, like, you know, can you get me a photo op with Barack Obama? Um, and Praz said, yes, that man, I believe, uh, paid Praz quite a bit of money. I, I can't remember the exact figure and I'm not just going to go out and say a bunch of bullshit, but it was a lot. It was a lot of money. Praz ended up getting him that photo op. That thing happened. Once you got a picture with Obama, who's the first black president, everybody's trying to be, you know, a piece with you. That caused this guy to really blow up, be popular. Uh, he started to meet other celebrities as far as like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and the, and the like. Uh, and what's funny about this is, uh, yeah, him and Leo became uh, great friends. And he actually was a maybe not a, a, a full on producer, but he was uh, part of the financial backing for the Wolf of Wall Street, which is hilarious because it turns out that Joe Lowe had actually stolen a ton of money, millions of dollars from the, the Malaysian state banking fund or something, which I believe is just the state bank of Malaysia. He stole millions and millions, and that's how he was able to pay Praz and to pay for Wolf of Wall Street. So it's it's kind of funny that the guy 
who helped fund Wolf of Wall Street was a Wolf of Wall Street in Malaysia. He was, you know, he, of course, the guy who steals money from a bank is going to be the one who pays to fund a movie all about stealing and, you know, ruining people financially, which I, I think is uh, partly hilarious. But yeah, that's how that that's how this guy got his money. And basically where the whole prize things come in is because not only did he have links through Obama and through that uh, picture, he also, I believe, had donated a decent amount of money to the Obama administration. Uh, in addition to that, as Obama was going out of office, apparently the FBI or government entities were starting to kind of probe into what this guy was doing, which caused him to tap Praz again to introduce him to Donald Trump. They're going across the aisle. It's not just liberal. It's not just conservative. This is just in general corporate political corruption, which is interesting. Uh, and, you know, not to not to talk shit, but Praz is Haitian. And what did his other bandmate of Haitian descent do? Try to become prime minister or president of Haiti and then steal a bunch of money. So I don't know what him and Wyclef uh, have been doing. Maybe this is all part of a larger Haitian MCU scheme. You know, they're the Thanos and Kang the Conqueror of this of this whole thing. I don't know what's going to happen. Um but long story short, uh, Praz had uh, had been working with this dude. He worked with him from Barack Obama all the way to Donald Trump. Um, and then they also started probing him after Donald Trump has been out. And that's kind of what started this whole big thing. Um, on top of that, once Donald Trump was done, I believe there had been a Chinese billionaire plus a couple of other Americans uh, being essentially held hostage by the Chinese government uh, and I guess trying to get answers about this Joe Lowe guy because he has problems internationally. It's not just the U.S. It's multiple places, Malaysia, but other places are also looking for him. The Asian community is looking for him as well, um, which sparked issues. And that's what caused Praz to actually reach out to the FBI and be like, hey, I'm way over in way over my head. And now China is involved because of this guy that I have been involved in. And that's what caused him to be an FBI informant. This is crazy stuff. I mean, bro, we were mad at Gunna. Little little did we know Pros is out here winning the gold medal for snitching. This is a snitching of biblical proportions. I mean, we because we've seen it. You know, everybody's talking about Troy Ave. Everybody's talking about Gunna. And this man ran right under the radar. And he is snitching on a global level. And it just goes to show you, too, how how dirty politics can be, but also as well too, like how powerful like celebrity perception and things can be, because if this guy wasn't empowered by Praz, right, and Praz wasn't able to link up with Barack Obama and get all these photos with Obama and photos with Donald Trump for this guy and everything, this dude would have been caught over a decade ago. But because people liked him and he fit in certain circles and was able to navigate Hollywood and the media and all that type of stuff, he stayed out of jail. And now he's still not in jail. He's a, he's a fugitive, essentially. I think that kind of feeds back into what we've been talking about these last two episodes, you know, just about celebrities and how powerful being a black celebrity can be. And I feel like we don't necessarily harness that power. You know, I mean, not for nothing. This is not it's not good what Pros did, but he is 
pretty much at the center of a multinational financial conspiracy case. That is saying something. That is saying something. I mean, sure, at this time, he did use his influence to line his pockets and essentially to sell out these governments. I don't necessarily know if you could say it's truly evil. I mean, it's evil in a sense of hurting Malaysia and and it now it's complicated it's, it's you know definitely a bit morally bankrupt he he did use it for bad things for bad means but he also could have used his cachet for good you know i think that goes to show like the actual influence we have and how to make sure to not use your influence for evil cuz then you're going to be on the stand trying to testify um uh, with China America and Malaysia mad at you um you know, and it's, 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 I don't know. It's just so interesting. I don't even know what I'm really saying here. And I feel like this is kind of a little convoluted, but I, I do find myself amazed as the time has gone on with how much power, um, no, not for nothing. I mean, all celebrities have, but I think that black celebrities have, but in a way that we don't even really harness it and we don't use it in the correct ways. You know what I mean? They use us for things and i think that's what's so heartbreaking and so interesting where it's like you know before jonathan majors before his whole allegations and everything i mean that guy was on top of the world he could have done anything and we would have just ate it up ate it up ate it up you know and he had that much power and that much magnetism that he had a billion different ad campaigns rallying behind them and you could put them anywhere and inspire all these people to do things and you know and then all of a sudden you know something comes up about him and all these powers that be decide that you know they don't want to use this toy anymore and so they got rid of him you know but at the same time it's like yo like you know i i just wish we knew our own worth and maybe didn't put so much weight into these white mainstream worlds and kind of created our own stuff you know our our own self-sustaining hollywood um because i'm not saying that obviously obviously if somebody does something bad yeah they should have to pay for it and, and be held accountable but i also think that the way that we are constantly used and replaced on such a constant basis and such a frequency speaks volumes especially with how influential we actually are and the things we actually can get done and i feel like you know <laughs> black people especially black entertainers are kind of like these these diamonds that these people find and you know every every other every other celebrity is like you know, a diamond in the rough and you'll polish it and you'll work it because it's diamond and it's diamond and uh, you know you don't know how much how much worth this this diamond could be. Oh man, make sure you get everything, let's polish it as much as we can. Whereas I feel like black creators and black celebrities are are diamonds that come out fully polished out of the ground. You remove it and it doesn't need to be polished at all. But as soon as these miners, these white miners drop it on the floor for a second and get one scuff, they throw it in the trash and they and they think that it's it's worthless. Whereas all the other diamonds that they find, they have to they they put so much work in to to equal what we already were. You know? And um it's just uh it's just kind of a shame. It's just kind of a shame. And it shows how how replaceable we are even though we contribute so much to what all of this is. And it's really disheartening. I mean right now 
you know, uh, shout out to Jamie Foxx, who is right now, I believe, I won't say in critical condition, but he is he has suffered a stroke, which is number one terrifying, considering the fact that Jamie Foxx is a very good looking and very fit guy, and you would not think he'd be the person who was up next on the chopping block for having a stroke. Jamie Foxx for having a stroke. There's a lot of people who could have had a stroke before Jamie Foxx. DJ Khaled could have had a stroke before Jamie Foxx. Okay? Not risking anything on DJ Khaled, but you know what I mean. Like, bro, this guy, he looked to be in, in peak physical condition to me, you know, and now he's out of commission in the hospital. And what's even more sad and disheartening about it is the fact that he apparently was filming something and they only had one week left to to film uh, for this thing before it was finally done. And uh, they're not waiting for him to recover. They just got a stunt double and put him in there. And I guess they're just going to CGI his face. And that's what I mean about being so interchangeable and being so, you know, useless regardless of how useful you actually are. It's like the 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 vibe is, oh, we can just get another one. Oh, we can just get another one. Ah, it's fine. Let's just throw any black person in there and put a mask on him. We'll put his face. It doesn't matter. Who cares? You know, I feel like all these other all these other entertainers, they don't simply just get thrown away and replaced like that. You know, and and also too, it's like if they get thrown away they kind of get to keep their dignity, you know, but I feel like with with black uh, entertainers of any type, whether it's athletes or rappers or actors or whatever, you know, if we do get kept, then we get dragged through the mud, which is almost as bad as being excommunicated. You know, <laughs> it's like, uh, what is it like, you know, Donald Sterling, right? You know, you look at Kyrie and you look at Donald Sterling, it's like. You know, Kyrie puts up a uh, Instagram post with no caption, you know, just an Instagram post of a poster of a movie that sold on Amazon and he was about to lose his career. Donald Sterling has active test messages with the N word in them, you know, and all sorts of crazy, crazy stuff. And sure, he gets his stuff taken away, you know, but they didn't make him go through a whole thing where now he has to donate to all these black people. He has to apologize four different times to black people and all that stuff. And that's what I mean. It's like, even with black people, they'll let you like, they'll let you stay, but they have to break you first. If they do, that's even if they do let you stay. And it's just a shame. You know, they, they I, I feel like mainstream media and just mainstream society, uh, and when I say mainstream society, I don't mean just white society. I mean every other race of people aside from black people treat black people as if they're these dispensable things. And you can always just get another one. And Jamie Foxx and, you know, uh, <laughs> Jamie Foxx and, you know, uh, all that stuff and how, how, how used he's being right now is a perfect 
an utter example about it. Even Don Lemon, right now we're hearing about possibly Don Lemon being fired. Actually, not possibly fired. He is. He has been fired from CNN after 17 years of work there. And apparently it's because he said something on air back in February um, about women that people took as like sexist. Um, There was some uh, presidential candidate who was going to run for president. I believe she's Republican or something. He, you know, he said that uh, she's past her prime and that women are in their prime in their 20s and 30s, maybe their 40s, but that's it. You know, which obviously I would take as more of a more of a joke, um, although it's inappropriate to even joke about that. But they got rid of him. Why would you get rid of him now? It's April. You know, do you think they're do you think they're afraid to get rid of him on Black History Month? Maybe he just felt like a like a Super Saiyan nigga that day. Maybe he just felt like he could take it to the next level. He could go KO Ken and just go wild, and they weren't going to do shit because they couldn't fire a black person on February. That, that that might be it. Maybe we figured it out. Maybe we figured it out. But I, I I feel like that's such a disrespectful thing, especially because they just randomly put out a statement and didn't even tell him directly. They just let him find out that he was now gone. And again, it's this interchangeability, this constant vibe of like, count your days. No matter how good you are, just know that you're just lucky to be here. And we could get rid of you at any point. (laughs) It's just like, fuck you, dude. I'm better than half of this shit, you know? And I'm not even talking about myself personally. Although I have felt, felt that in definitely certain circles and comedy and shit. But it's like, I think I think this is a thing that a lot of us feel, especially if you're someone like Don Lemon or Jamie Foxx or or Jonathan Majors, somebody who's operating at the top of their field. It's like, dude, like, I'm not saying I'm a delusional fucking mad king who can treat anybody anyway. But the fact that you have all these people who have done horrible things to different people and said horrible things to different people and they are not going through the ringer in even close to the same fashion that I am speaks volumes, you know? And, uh, yeah. So I just, I just want to say, you know, shout out to those guys, man. Uh, shout out to those guys because, uh, this shit is tough, man. This shit is tough on a better note. The, the final ending of uh, snowfall, the season, the series finale of snowfall finally came out. I finally watched it and I finally have something to say. And what I will say is I loved it. I loved it. I hated it. I hated it, but I loved it. Does that make sense? I hated it in the sense that I followed Franklin Saint and this character around for so long. I have essentially been in love with his character and the portrayal of this character. And, you know, this everybody loves, you know, when it comes to like a crime drama, you know, uh, about a kingpin or something. Everybody loves the main character. You love the Walter White. You love the ghosts. You know what I mean? You love the Marlo Stanfields. You know, uh, you know, you love all that type of shit. That's that's the type of dude you're into. You know, you love the Thomas Shelby's. You know what I mean? They're always the one who has the plan. No matter how dark things get, no matter how bad things get, they always come out on top. And that's why watching this series finale 
of Franklin ending up where he did. That's why I hated it. In my bones, I hated it. And I, I it hurt to watch. It hurt to watch. It stung. It got me so fucking angry. And especially as all the things that I've been talking about, about black men who are exceptional, still being left to the wayside like trash, you know, it hit me right here. But as I spent more time away from it and was still thinking about it, those exact reasons why I hated it is what caused me to actually love it and truly see it as such a great finale because it's possibly the most realistic finale I think I've ever seen out of any of these shows, you know, um, especially if you're talking about a black man at the end of the day. You know, um, because, you know, truth be told, when you're watching these crime shows, these kingpin shows, the way they usually end is dead or in jail. It's dead or in jail, dead or in jail, dead or in jail, you know, and it's a tough thing. It brings you on an emotional roller coaster, especially in those last episodes. And that's what I was thinking, dead or in jail. Is Franklin going to be dead or in jail or crazy? Maybe he'll be free, but he's in like Costa Rica or something and never comes back and what happens he's gonna end up on top and he just didn't and i feel like that's actually the truth of a lot of the biggest hustlers that have existed you know what i mean i mean how many like you know i didn't grow up in the hood and shit like that but living in new york over a decade you meet a lot of people who have hustled and done shit and you know i'm i'm you know, sold a thing or two, you know, from the, no, that's no longer here nor there. I'm way past that, you know, small things, but you meet people through your tenure of doing that stuff and just knowing people in that world. And bro, there's a billion fucking Franklin States. Maybe not, maybe not to the level that he was where the American government is literally, you know, feeding you this Coke and you have millions upon millions upon millions of dollars, but there's always been somebody who owned the block and there will always be another person who owns the block. That's just how it goes. And in a way, that's kind of what was so perfect about it was showing for the first time in the visceral way, a, a true literal way of like a guy who got into the drug game and came out of it far worse than when he went in far worse you're always seeing it as far as like some dude you know maybe he loses most of the money maybe he dies or maybe he's in jail and you think that's worse but i i there's something so humiliating about being free yet still being stuck in the same neighborhood that you had ideals and ideas about being out of and also not just being in that neighborhood, but being the lowest of the low in the community in that neighborhood. That's, I mean, you know, that that's a real tough thing. I think, too, I think in a way that ending showed you what the writer's room and what the vision of that place was. And I think it really showed you what it's like to have a top tier crime lifestyle drama written from a black perspective because i think you know what i think it got right that all the other crime shows got wrong and yes i'm talking about breaking bad and you know uh peaky blinders which is one of my favorites and stuff like i said it's always dead or in jail dead or in jail or they just still keep winning and that's what it is right what scares a hustler isn't being dead 
or being in jail. What scares a hustler is being irrelevant. And that's what happened to Franklin Sate. He is truly irrelevant. He is every hustler's worst nightmare. And I think the fact that they're able to tap into that and hurt the viewer so much, but in such a good way, while still providing the best cautionary tale ever, uh, was just beautiful. Was just beautiful. And I hope this inspires more people um, to write that way and, and write in a way of honesty and not just satisfying the viewer. Because, yes, I mean, listen, you could have wrote a finale that had that had fucking Franklin living in South America for the rest of his life. And I would have been satisfied. And I would have thought it was dope. And I probably would have came here and still told you how dope it was. But artistically, you'd probably be doing this story a disservice. And I think the way that they did this story uh, was just uh, was just next level, man. So I just want to applaud that. And I want to say thank you guys for watching the False Prophets podcast. Let me know what you guys think as far as what I was saying about black people and black men especially for being replaceable and uh, thrown around in the way that we are dispensable, you know, whether it's our bodies, our minds, or our art. Um, and, uh, let me know what you guys think about snowfall as well, too. I'm interested in everybody's thoughts and comments. So please make sure to like, share, subscribe, comment, do whatever, uh, <laughs> you know, get the, get the word out there. Let's start these conversations. Cause, uh, I'm into this YouTube shit and I'm into you guys, man. So this has been a great community to start. And I hope that more people can get involved and, you know, uh, we get to know each other a little bit better. Uh, either way, that's been it. I'll see you guys later. That's been the False Prophets Podcast. I am Phil Risden. Peace.